Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Wednesday, February 24th, 2021. This is Shannon, and I am here today with Melissa, Natalia, and Stacy. And we are here with another Authors of Color episode. I try not to revisit episodes super often, but I feel like with Authors of Color, it's so easy, especially if you cannot see the pictures of authors on the jackets. I feel like it's so easy not to know who is and is not an author of color. And so if you are making an intentional choice to read more non-white authors, it can sometimes be tricky to know who those are. So we are here with a collection of fantastic recommendations. Stacy is going to start us off, followed by Melissa, then me, and of course, Natalia will end each round. Before I turn it over to Stacy, I'm going to give you the usual housekeeping information, and then we will get started. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. I am so excited that I get to talk about Alexa Martin again, because she's like one of the most wonderful authors. Um, her first book in her playbook series, um, Intercepted, made me laugh until I cried. And so I just read the third book in the series, Blitzed. And um, this book is about Bryn and Bryn owns this amazing bar in Denver called Hers. And it is a bar owned by a woman and um, all the bartenders and staff are women. And it's a bar mm -hmm. that caters to women. And I love her. I, I love that idea. I love the concept that a, a woman is going out of what is considered like the typical sort of job expectations for a woman. And she has this amazing bar and, you know, she just, she caters to the sort of sassy women of Denver. And Bryn has kind of nurtured this crush on um, a football player from the Denver um, Mustangs for quite a while. His name is Maxwell. He's this very quiet man. And after years of coming to her bar and sitting in front of her and kind of softly speaking and, you know, is he or is he not flirting Something happens that causes a very negative impression upon Bryn. And Maxwell has to kind of work to sort of shore up his reputation with her and kind of go back and kind of fix the mistake that he made. And this book is about their romance. Um, but this book is also about 
really strong female friendships. Um, it's about strong. It's about how Bryn sort of fosters um, strong, confident women. It's about how she goes out into the community and invites women who she feels would benefit um, from working at her bar in to work with her. And it's just the, the sort of strong female vibe was my favorite aspect of this book. Um, and so Bryn and Maxwell are kind of trying to figure things out. There's some family baggage that sort of um, influences some of their decisions that they make. Um, and, you know, it's just a really uh, nice entry in the, the series. Um, Intercepted continues to be my favorite. And I think that might be because it was my first Alexa Martin book, but her voice in this book is just as strong and confident and sassy and funny as it was in Intercepted. Um, so I love this book a lot. I loved learning more about Denver. And um, I do really recommend reading Blitzed playbook book three by Alexa Martin. Excellent. We don't have Al the cat to meow for us. We don't. And that's what <laughs> happened when Sarah talked about intercepted. Yes. My first book is called the black unicorn. And it is a collection of poems written by Audre Lorde. Audre Lorde was a black lesbian who was a, a poet. She also wrote her own biography. She was an activist. Um, she was a lesbian and then she uh, got married and had two children. And oh. she passed away from breast cancer but she was with a female partner by that time. Um, this book was published in 1979. And one of the poems is entitled The Black Unicorn. And she has one that's entitled The Women, Women Speak. Um, those are the two that caught my attention. Um, the first line in the black unicorn is the black unicorn is very greedy and then she goes and starts make talking about happy stuff <laughs> I'm like what <laughs> so I had to go back and read it again and for me this was out of my comfort zone because I really don't care for poetry but I've been trying I've made it my goal to try something new so um, I was trying this book to see, you know, because I do like to have, you know, little inspirational quotes and stuff in my journal. But unfortunately, I didn't find any in this book. You didn't want to use the black unicorn. Corn is greedy, no. <laughs> hey, and it has a name. At least it had the title this time. <laughs> true. It's true. And people, like, if there were people, they would have names. Yes. Yeah. So that's the Black Unicorn by Audra Lord. And I do recommend her book, Zami, a new spelling of my name. It is her biomythography. <laughs> See? Yeah. So. so are these poems sort of like um, 
kind of glimpses into her life at different points or are they kind of just more random? They're supposed to be about, they're kind of random. She's talking about women in one and she's talking about a black unicorn in another. And then she's going on and on about um, segregation. And so it's very, I guess it was just a collection that they put together after she passed away. That's Ah, what it looks like to me. Yeah. Okay. So not like a collection that she intended to write as a collection. Not like Sister Outsider. Ah, see, now that's the Mm -hmm. one that I'm most familiar with. Like that's the one that I studied when I was in college. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not a big poetry person. So I studied um, Sister Outsider and Zombie when I was getting my English literature degree. Beautiful. Okay, so my first pick tonight is not poetic. Um, in fact, it's not even like romantic and, and nice. Um, I have the latest thriller from Nalini Singh. This is Quiet in Her Bones. And this is really different from her other stuff. Like when you think of Nalini Singh, you think a lot of like urban fantasy, paranormal romance, even I would say contemporary romance because of her Rock Kiss series, Rock Addiction, I think that series is called. But with this, it is a thriller set in New Zealand. And it surprised me that the main character was a man. Um, I don't know why it surprised me. I just was, I guess, expecting... A woman's like point of view and that wasn't what we got but this is about a man named Arif Rai and he lives in New Zealand he is kind of like a one-hit wonder author like he wrote his first book and it was amazing like it mm-hmm. sold so many copies and it was made into a movie and everybody like fell in love with it and so that went like really well for him he's super rich now so successful but there's something from his past that haunts him. 10 years ago, when he was 16, his mother Nina went missing. And everyone kind of believes that Nina was just sort of tired of her husband's very domineering ways and that she walked out on him. But Arif has never thought that that was true. And so now when Arif has moved unwillingly back into his childhood home to recover from a very serious accident that he was in, his mother's body is found in a forest not too far from this house. And yeah. it appears, <laughs> yes, and it appears that she never left. So something happened to her that night and she never actually walked away from that house. So Arif is going back and trying to reconstruct his mother's last days in an attempt to figure out what drew her, like what you know, caused her to leave. But he has a lot of difficulty because of his accident. He has, he's dealing with a brain injury and he's also dealing with a pretty severe injury to his leg. So not only is he trying to like solve this mystery from his past, but he's also trying to figure out what the future holds for him and like how independent is he going to be able to be as an adult um, now that his circumstances have changed and he's dealing with, at least right now, with some disabilities. So this is a pretty complex book. It's very dark, very atmospheric. 
um, I was really impressed with Singh's ability to create this kind of tension within a story when she's not relying on romance or like really complex world building to kind of like help shore that up. This is a simpler story than what she usually tells. It's complex in its its details, but the kind of like bones of it, you know, are not, it's not like set in a fantasy world. It's set in New Zealand. Um, she imbues it with such a strong sense of place. I really, really liked it. If you've read Nalini Singh in the past and you're kind of wanting to check out kind of a new direction for her, I highly recommend it. It's Quiet in Her Bones. And again, it's by Nalini Singh. Who I just discovered that, so that I love. And I have to eat crow on this ah, podcast. Yes. And say, yes, I'm do. sorry. I'm sorry I waited so long. And I should have trusted all of my beastresses. And I don't know if I would like this particular book by Nalini Singh. It doesn't sound like it's a Stacey no, book necessarily. Would, but no. But no, she is a gorgeous writer. So I could envision that she would do this one very well. I love when she eats crow. It's so great. It is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too proud to eat the crow. <laughs> I love it. So I don't necessarily think about the authors that I read, if they're of color, if they're not. Um, but I think it's um, really great that we're seeing more diversity in what we're reading. And mm-hmm. I, I think... The reason why I never thought about it um, was because there wasn't much diversity. Either it wasn't available or what was available to me right. um, wasn't very diverse. Because I, the way that I'm interested in reading is more about plot. Mm-hmm. And I guess in a lot of the plots, um, it was the same, I guess, uh, demographic. But this author in particular has always been very vocal and very involved about speaking about race, um, she actually just did an article or, or was it an interview with NPR about code switching? Um, and she, she's just really wonderful. I love the way she writes. And also, I love the period in history that she writes. I, I will always say this. So, of course, I'm talking about Beverly Jenkins. Yes. And this book is her newest, Wild Rain, Women Who Dare, number two. Now, it hurts me to say, but I will tell you what it's about because these books, you can read them standalone. I would never you know, <gasps> I, I would suggest. What? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I would suggest that you read the first book. But, you know, the first and second book are not actually, you know, connected. I think she just wanted to write novels about women who were brave and did extraordinary things. And not only that, but she writes about a time period that I, at least as somebody educated the U.S., I don't know much about. Uh, and I know that it's it's fictional. But, you know, we know that the war, Civil War, ended in 1865. And then we don't know much about what happened between, like, 1865 and, like, um, 1900, maybe. Like, at least till World War One, Or maybe I wasn't paying attention in history class, which is perfectly possible. No, we don't really know. Like, we know yeah, about the Reconstructionist South. Like, we know right. that, you know, there was a lot they of people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. But we don't but know, it. like, the West. We know about, like, Westward expansion a little bit. But not really, like, just the overall state of the country. Right. And and what was going on. And, um, and if we don't know about, you know, white people in the state of the country in the West, we definitely don't know about um, 
African-Americans. <laughs> so it's really nice to see somebody write about this. I really loved this book. Um, and I, I mean, I like all her books, but I really like this book because it's really cool for me to read about a woman who is different from the expectations in historical time and who doesn't get care. Um about is unapologetic i guess is the right way of saying it about being herself mm-hmm. so this book is about um an author um he writes a newspaper uh it's it's a black newspaper that he writes for and his name is uh, mccray and yes. he um wants to do a story on doctors and he thinks that dr lee who's a doctor in this really small town would be a very interesting subject. But then he meets his sister, uh, Spring, and Spring runs her own ranch. Now that's cool. Cause I can't even imagine myself as a rancher. <laughs> <laughs> so she runs her own ranch and she wears pants and um, she doesn't need anybody. I mean, it's, it's so interesting Um because she, she doesn't even, first of all, she has a really scandalous past. And for many reasons that you'll have to learn about when you read the book. But um, she doesn't care about the, this fact. And she doesn't even want to be treated like a lady in any way. Like for her, you know, don't wait till she sits down. You know, don't open the doors for her. She doesn't need anybody. She's been looking after herself since she was 18. And that's how she's going to keep it. Whereas McCray, he's from a different, you know, part of the of the country. He has different ideals. And, you know, they're very different. They want different things out of life, but they're very, very attracted to each other. So the question is, will they overcome their differences and actually manage to make a relationship work? I don't know. I guess you'll have to read Wild Rain by Beverly Jenkins. I feel like as somebody who's a feminist, what mostly one thing I learned or I guess I am completely one thing I learned um in this book was I loved how the hero um convinced uh, spring to let him you know do all these things for her not because she was depending on him or because he didn't value her for who she was but more because he that was just his way of showing her love and respect and that he knew, you know, that she was perfectly capable of doing those things. And he just wanted to love her that way. I thought that was really cool. He is oh. such a different type of hero from a lot right. of what we get in, like, Western romances. I just really, right. really loved him. So now let's sweep back in time to the ballrooms of London, 1817. Oh, which we know isn't always my favorite. However, (laughs) I am so like besotted with Stacey Reed. Like she is my new favorite author of historical romance. And like I've read this is the book I'm going to talk about is my second book by her. Um, I waxed poetic about my darling Duke um, a couple episodes ago. And now I'm going to talk about Accidentally Compromising the Duke, um, Wedded by Scandal, book one by Stacey Reed, the goddess of my life. Oh, that's not part of the book title. That's just my opinion. Um, so in this book, we have Lady Adeline, or Adeline, I'm sorry. And Adeline is on her third season and things are not going well for her. There's a very 
nice young man who has been repeatedly asking for her hand. But beside that, besides that, she's gotten no attention from the men of the town. And, you know, the longer you go as sort of a wallflower, the harder it is to find a good prospect. And so her father wishes to marry her off to the Earl who pawed at her, ripped her dress and gave her bruises because her being a lady is far more important to him than, you know, what actually happened when the Earl caught her alone. Oh, And she knows that her father is going to, at this house party that she's attending, she knows that her engagement to this odious Earl is going to be announced the next evening. And what is a young woman, a desperate young woman to do? Why, instead of marrying the odious Earl, she's going to have herself be compromised by being found in the bedchamber of the nice young gentleman who has asked for her hand multiple times. But as you might have guessed, things never go as they ought. And instead of entering the bedchamber of the vapid young man that she thought she wanted to marry, she enters the bedchamber of the mad duke. Edmund Rochester, Duke of Wolvington, I think is how you say his last name, his, his title. And she is caught in a compromising position. And for reasons of his own, the Duke decides to marry Adeline because he needs a mother for his daughters. But there will be no love in this marriage. There will be no bedroom visits. Is that what I called it the one time? Back in the day on this podcast? Bedroom activities. Bedroom activities. There will be none of that. But she will be a mother to his daughters. And after some sort of distraught moments of thinking that she has made a huge mistake, Adeline decides to go with Edmund and be his duchess, to be the mother to his young daughters, the ladies Rosalie and Sarah. And so she travels with him to his gorgeous country estate. And she weaves her spell over his daughters and they begin to fall in love with her. And she loves the beautiful estate. And she grows to have feelings for the cold-hearted Duke that she married. But he harbors such pain in his heart as her cold-hearted Duke. And will she be able to melt the ice encasing him? So they can have a love match instead of the cold union that he had envisioned. And the only way you're going to know this is if you read Accidentally Compromising the Duke, Wedded by Scandal Book One by the goddess Stacey Reed. I need to read this. She is like my new favorite writer of historicals and I love her. And I don't know how I went so long without knowing about her. And seriously, like I could just... Although I have to say in the first five minutes of the book, um, our intrepid heroine was hiding behind a potted palm and I almost wet myself. I was laughing so hard because you know (laughs) how I feel about ballrooms and potted palms. And there they are. In the first five minutes of the book. Yes. But despite the potted palms, yes. But despite the potted palms and the ballroom, this book was so gorgeous and lovely and perfect. And Stacey Reed, just please, everybody, if you like historicals, please read her, please, please. I will do it. I will too. She's my new favorite. I love her. Okay. The next book that I have is The Cutting Season by Attica Locke. 
and it's spelled A-T-T-I-C-A-L-O-C-K-E, and it's the cutting season. And it tells the story of Karen, who is managing an old Louisiana plantation where her ancestors slaved and toiled in the fields and in the big house. But now they have reenactments and they have like a bed and breakfast and a gift shop. So she manages this whole thing. She's a single mom and her ex-husband is marrying someone else. So he's coming to town to visit and to take the daughter back to DC. Well, uh, him and Karen hook up because she's, yeah, (laughs) because of they had just found a migrant worker dead and someone tried to run her off the road because she wanted to investigate it. So in the heat of the moment, they hooked up and um, then she got very confused about it. So she decides to throw herself into the investigation of of this young woman's death, as well as finding her ancestor and why he died, which she does figure it out. And at the same time, they're shooting a movie based on this. Yes. So she's got all of these irons in the fire and yet she's grieving the loss of her ex-husband to someone else and they're gonna sell the plantation so yeah there's a lot of other twists and turns so I'm gonna skip over it (laughs) because I'll give it away but in the end um, the daughter goes to Washington and Karen goes to law school but oh other things happen to the plantation before all the before that happy that happy ending that's the cutting season and the cutting season is um time in the south where a lot of people cut sugarcane actual sugarcane and um get it um bundled up um my grandpa had a patch and that's one thing I do love is cane juice. <laughs> so, so it kind of was nostalgic and brought back memories to I never me. Knew that. My that's husband loves cane after. juice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they call it guarapo. Mm-hmm. And it, and so they use the cane, a lot of the bundles to make actual sugar or cane juice. So is juice. the juice like really sweet? Yes, it's it's not as sweet as, you know, you'd buy from the store. Right. Yeah. And they cut the, they'll cut the cane into little circles. So you, they either boil it down or you can suck on the, on the circle pieces. And then when it's dry, you spit it out basically. Well, yes, because it probably wouldn't be very good then. Like once it is. It's just very tough. (laughs) That's. (laughs) That's why they call it the cutting season, because this young lady was a migrant worker and 
that's what she was doing was picking and cutting down the cane as it to harvest it it so I have seen this book like numerous times and I've read other Attica Locke books but I've not read this one so all right are we ready for some young adult fantasy yes with post-apocalyptic fiction This made me so happy when I discovered it. This is The Immortal Rules, Blood of Eden, book one by Julie Kagawa. Yes. This is an author that I've been meaning to try, although the series that I first thought of trying was her Iron Fae series. But then I saw this one and I was like, okay, no, it has to be this one. So this takes place in a world where vampires are in charge vampires were caused like years ago by a plague and now they are kind of the ruling faction of society humans are forced if they want certain liberties and if they want to be provided for to register in this kind of bureau so that vampires know where everybody is how many people are in a family and the vampires basically decide like how much food you get in a week and where your family can live so this is not like the best thing to be registered and so a lot of people kind of go off the grid and they refuse to be registered so our heroine is an unregistered human her name is allison and she's part of like a street gang basically and so she scrounges for food like things that people have thrown away because she's not entitled to food from like the regular kind of banks that the vampires are in charge of So she tries to stay under the radar. She does not want to be noticed by the vampires because they'll make her register. So one evening when she has left the city to scavenge for food in a new place, she is attacked and is gravely injured. So when she's very close to death, a rogue vampire finds her and he turns her into a vampire so that she will not die. Oh, dear. Yes. And she hates vampires. Like vampires to her are the epitome of like everything that's bad, everything that's wrong with the world. And now she is one of them. So she has to try to decide kind of what she's going to do. Like, is she going to just sort of quietly be absorbed into vampire society? Or is she going to infiltrate vampire society and make a change for the better, hopefully? But before she can make this decision, she has to travel. She has to understand more about how the world works. And so she joins a band of humans. And so she cannot reveal that she is a vampire lest they turn her in um, to kind of the vampire officials. So she's traveling kind of, you know, undercover with this group. And she's struggling to hang on to her humanity. So this is the first book in a trilogy, the Blood of Eden trilogy. And it was one of those books that starts out so, so action-packed. Like it's not one of those things that you read and you're like, oh, just give it a little bit of time. You know, you have to like settle into it. No, like it starts, it sucks you in and it just goes, 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 goes until the end. I am really loving the series. I have the second book on my iPad now. I'll be reading it soon. It is definitely YA fiction, but it doesn't have some of the like angst and drama no, that some people good. would expect from, from young adult stuff. Um, Allison is 
I would say pretty mature given everything that she's been through, even like before being turned into a vampire. I think she's a little bit naive sometimes about what vampire, like what it actually means to be a vampire and like how that affects the way people see her. But, you know, growth comes with experience. And by the end of the book, she has begun to understand like the huge change that her sort of turning um, has brought about in her life. So this is The Immortal Rules. It's Blood of Eden, book one, and it's by Julie Kagawa. I highly recommend it. Oh, I always hate when you and Natalia recommend like a young adult book that I know I have to read. It always makes me so mad because oh, I have these rules about young adult books and how I don't want to read them. And then discriminating. Oh, well, what right. is next? What is next? Maritza de los Santos. Love yeah. walked in. Oh, Yay! I love that book so much. Yay. Oh my I god, love yes. it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, her newest book is great, guys. I'm not discouraging, but this was my beginning. This was just such gorgeous. a good book. Gorgeous. It was just a gorgeous novel. The sequel was gorgeous. Everything about it was just so gorgeous. So, this book is about Cornelia Brown. And guess where she works? In a coffee shop. Yes. yes, she does. Because even, bef- even before I drank coffee, um, I loved reading books about coffee shops, bakeries, you know, any kind of like chefy or close to like thing like that, business venture that has multiple books. I like. So uh, what happens to Cornelia? She has like all these dreams about princes and movies and happily ever after. And like, she's so, I don't know, I just really cool and then martin grace enters her coffee shop and uh, everything changes forever um she starts to date him and um, they start to have this relationship but little does she know that he is just a road to a greater good and purpose uh, for her meanwhile across town we've got claire hobbs who has a kind of erotic mother her mom is kind of uh, like there and not there so she's you know only 11 and she's pretty abandoned and her dad is far away I guess her parents are divorced um but she ends up crossing paths with Cornelia by meeting her at a cafe and they form believe it or not an improbable friendship and that friendship is going to carry them through unpredictable currents of life and I know I'm not giving it justice at all. I know that sounds like, okay, but it's, it's just such so an amazing good. book. Just, just if you um, think about doubts, if you have doubts about picking up this book, think about how they all reacted when I mentioned Love Walked it's In true. by oh, Marissa de los so Santos. Lovely. It is oh. such a lovely, lovely book that from the first page you pick up, you just don't stop reading it. It was like women's fiction before women's fiction was like a thing. thing. Right. It's just so like, she had such a wonderful, the author, she made such distinctive voices for both Cornelia and Claire. Like they were very, Mm -hmm. like even like her writing style changed. It was very chaotic and free flowing with um, Cornelia. Cornelia. And I was kind of like, what the hell am I reading? Like in chapter one, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't understand that her... And then we got to Claire and it was just like this very like concise, serious. And I was so sucked in and I read this book. I don't even know. I don't know. 
at so least 10 ago. years ago. And I think it's time for a reread because it was just I think that's so, true. It just gave me like the happy, fizzy tummy, like reading it because it was so lovely and great. And, and the chaotic writing as far as Cornelia, it's chaotic. And you're like, what the hell am I reading? But at the same time, it's like, I'm, why am I, what am I reading? And why yeah. is this cool? Yeah. Right. Like, why do I not mind that it's kind of like all over all the place? Over. And all the, and, and the narrator, if you like audiobooks, she was so great at all the singing. Um, that was a the, really good book. narrator. Really good narrator. One of my I, favorites. I don't remember who it is, but they were no, very good at they are. Everybody. Yes. Amazing. So that's Love Walked In by Maritza de los Santos. I'm so glad you talked about it. Now, was that her debut novel? I think so. Yes. As far as we know. Yes. As far as I know, yes. Mm-hmm. She needs to keep writing. <laughs> All right. So I think that we should shift gears a little bit, even though I could talk about Love Walked In like all damn day. But oh my God, yes. um, <laughs> now I think it's time to shift gears and talk about something paranormal. Because okay. I, I know, right? I have been mm. obsessed with all things paranormal romance for like the last six weeks. I binged like 13 books in the Side Changeling wow. series. <laughs> Like I lost my mind. And so when it was time to start preparing, I wanted something paranormal. And thank you, Shannon, for recommending this author to me because I binged um, six books in, I think it was like four days. And I was heartbroken when I had to temporarily suspend reading this series to move on to something else. And I'm talking about give credit to Mika for this because I actually haven't read it. Like she told me about it years ago and it's always something that I meant to read and never did. So then when you were asking it occurred to me, but I've never actually read it. So this is is more of a Mika uh, recommendation. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Mika, you, Mika, the goddess. <laughs> like, this is so good. And what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Dirk and Steel series by Marjorie Liu. And the first book in the series is called Tiger Eye. And this book was written in about, mm-hmm. you know, something around like 2005. Um, so the, the voice and the vibe, it's funny. Um, you can definitely tell that it was written in the first decade of the century. It has a different tone. And it was such a gorgeous book. It is about um, a woman named Delilah. She goes by Dela and she is on vacation in China. And she's walking through a market and this older woman um, has um, a stall of beautiful, beautiful fabrics. And so Dela, you know, um, does some bargaining with her and gets some fabrics. Well, then this woman basically kind of forces her to purchase this little tiny box and Dale's like what the hell like but she just you know she just like decides to buy it because this woman is like I have this perfect thing for you you know you really need to have this and on her way back to her hotel room she's accosted by a man who grabs her wrist and like tries to yank her like away and she starts putting up this major fight and jumps into a taxi And gets to her hotel. And she's like, that was a very odd sort of interaction. And she's sitting in her room with this little kind of like puzzle box. And she's like, this is weird. And so she's like playing with this box. And she figures out how to open it. 
And surprise, this like ancient warrior, hot ancient warrior emerges from this tiny box and he's just standing in her room. And she's like, WTF, like, what do I do with this? Like, what is happening? But, you know, <laughs> because she's... Box. Right, it's a magical box. And when you open it, out, it's like a jack-in-the-box, but it's, like, on steroids. And, like, you open it, and out comes this man with a clap of thunder, and he's standing there in all of his, like, leather-armored, you know, sword-wielding glory. Oh. And she doesn't really know what to make of all this. She's like, I've clearly, you know, I don't know if I'm like hallucinating, like what is happening. There's like this man in my hotel room and I'm in a towel because of course she is because it's a paranormal romance circa 2005. And just, um, so she decides that, you know, she's just going to roll with the punches and she finds out that this man is named Hari and he is legit a warrior from ancient times who has been cursed to be sort of like uh, enslaved to whoever opens this box. And whatever this person asks, whether it is, you know, uh, for like a a killer or like a sex slave, whatever it is, he has to do. Yes. And she's sort of like, ew, like yuck. Like why? No, you know, she's not going to have this man like be beholden to her. But, you know, this is my kind of book. I know. (laughs) And like, even during like all this, she's sort of like attracted to this man named Hari from ancient times. And then, so they're in China and like all these things keep happening where people are trying to kill her and trying to kill Hari. And there's all this intrigue and a mystery. And um, there's some sort of um, lovely, sexy times that are not as intense as what we have become accustomed to today. Um, And the whole story is basically about um, Dela's eyes being open to this world beyond what she is aware of. And we are also um, introduced in this book. Oh, did I say that Hari is also a tiger shifter? So holy hotness, Batman. Um, Oh, there's your tiger book. Yep, there's my tiger book. And so, (laughs) you know, in this book, we're also introduced to some of the members of the agency that Dela works for, and it's called Dirk and Steel. And on the surface, they are a detective agency. But what they really do is go around the world, finding people with psychic talent um, or a tiger shifter and kind of gathering them up and, you know, bringing them into the fold of Dirk and Steel. And this book is the first in a series, and it's this very gentle, lovely romance with some sort of, you know, suspenseful times and sort of like an evil villain, but it's very, I don't know, just kind of gentle and lovely. And then um, as I texted to my beastresses in the Book Bistro podcast thread, um, book two in the series is like this crazy sauce roller coaster ride of like... Uh, murder and mayhem and gore and it's like a completely different vibe but this was such a lovely introduction to the series is all I'm going to tell you about this book um, is what I just did and I feel like I'm being sort of um, cagey but I don't want to give it all away Um, and you know what I love about Marjorie Liu is like every book in this series takes place in a different city typically in different countries Um, You can tell she's researched different cultures. And so you learn a little bit. It's kind of like a a travel vlog and romantic suspense plus shifters and psychics. Oh my. And like intrigue 
And it's just the greatest series of my life. And um, I'm really happy that I discovered it, you know, 15 years or so after she started writing it. So the first book in the series, write anymore. I know, but like, so I feel like it's a completed series and I can binge away to my heart's content. So the first book in the Durkin Steel series is Tiger Eye by Marjorie M. Liu. And it is amazing. So if you, like me, are needing to binge a series of paranormal romances that um, focus on different couples um, with the sort of overarching story plot, pick up Durkin Steel. You will not regret it. Excellent. Wow. <laughs> yep. It's I would not so great. want to be in a box for like thousands of years. No, 2,000 years. <laughs> and the last time he was called forth from the box was in um, 14 something. So oh obviously you got to understand that he's a little intrigued by the changes to the world. And uh, yes. I've had technical difficulties with the other books that I was going to talk about. So okay. I found my favorite it. My favorite um, short story collection It's Ooh. called In Love and Trouble by Alice Walker. And it's stories from Black women. And um, the story that I've always done as an oral interpretation contest in college is called The Flowers. The Flowers tell the story of a 10-year-old little girl named Myop, M-Y-O-P. She is a sharecropper with her family and it's a summer's day and she's skipping along and she's she has a little stick that she's twirling around scaring the chickens and she is walking past home and she's skipping and you know just having a good day for a 10 year old and she's enjoying all the smells in the air and then she makes a discovery um, she finds a man that has been lynched oh and, yeah and um by stepping on him um, and, yeah so it describes she's very descriptive in this story including about you know the the ground and the tree and the rope and the body and at the end um so you know she has had uh wildflowers in her one hand and her little stick and then she picked up more more different kinds of flowers and she just throws them down and walks away and it says and the summer was over yeah so I guess so yeah yeah it's like it's, it's you get really caught up in it because she's you know it's an innocent day and she's skipping and singing and and then this happens and it just first time I read it I was like I was assigned it and I read it and I was like whoa <laughs> and I won the contest <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so in love and trouble by Alice Walker I'm really glad that you talked about Alice Walker because she is someone that I've looked at from time to time and I've always been kind of intimidated by. Like, I really love the movie, The Color Purple. 
mm-hmm. but her writing has always just sort of been I don't know like I've always been kind of intimidated by it so yeah. I'm really glad that you talked about it and maybe I will um yeah I I'll like give this, it a try I like this short story collection and I like the secret of possessing the secret of joy it's when she took on the idea of female circumcision um, she wrote a book called possessing the secret of joy and it's um, the character Tashi from color purple is the main character in that book so okay yeah that would be my recommendation as well well thank you for for that Okay, so my next pick um, is not about lynching, but it is about sexual assault. So we can just kind of like hang out with the heavy topics here for a minute. This is Take It Back, and it's by Kia Abdullah. It is, it was the second book I read this year, and I'm really glad I picked it up. It is the first book in the Zara Khalil series. Kia Abdullah, um, is writing about a a lawyer in London and that's Zara. And she is sort of like one of these almost like prodigies. Like she's one of London's most admired legal minds and she's Muslim. And so this sort of goes against a lot of like what her culture thinks that a woman should be doing. Like she's not supposed to be a lawyer. And so she gets a lot of flack for this. So she is assigned a case um, of a young girl, 16-year-old Jody Wolf, and Jody has some facial deformities. And so she has some pretty low self-esteem. She really wants to belong. She wants to fit in with her classmates. And unfortunately, because kids are kind of horrible, um, she doesn't. And people make fun of her. Her mother is like a terrible person. And just basically like wants to be drinking all the time, does not give Jody any kind of maternal affection. So when Jody is invited to a party by some of her classmates, she thinks that maybe she is like on her way to being accepted. Unfortunately, this is not true. At the end of the party, something very bad happens. And Jody accuses four boys of sexually assaulting her. Zara becomes her victim advocate and eventually is like representing her um, in the legal system. And this is a bit of a conflict of interest for Zara because all of the boys that Jody has accused are from hardworking immigrant families. And so now Zara is sort of standing by Jody's side and people in her community are now viewing her as a traitor. She's turning her back on fellow Muslims, fellow immigrants, and sort of, you know, allying herself with a white girl. And she is not looked on favorably for this. At its core, this is a legal thriller. Um, You have a lot of courtroom drama, but you also have just some really nice looks at like what it means to be a woman in the world when you don't really fit into the mold that the world has carved out for you. Both Jody and Zara are outsiders in certain ways. And although we never really see them as friends, they, they do 
end up allies in sort of an, an uneasy way. Um, this is an author that I will definitely be keeping an eye on, both because of her clever like thriller style and just kind of keeping the action going without feeling over the top, but also because of just the way that she creates these very memorable, authentic feeling characters. So this is Take It Back. It's Zara Khalil Look One by Kia Abdullah. And I would say this is probably a Natalia book. That's what I was thinking. You know it. I was just going to ask you, where can I find this book? So my last book is my favorite, favorite, favorite that I'm going to talk about today. It's American Dreamers by Adriana Herrera. And oh my God, I've been waiting to talk about this book on this podcast for so long. So as I was saying before, um, I never really paid attention to um, what authors I was reading. You know, I read books that were in English and they were in English. And then the books that were in Spanish were in Spanish. And that was that. Um, but I've never read um, or rarely read American author, uh, a book about first generation Hispanic immigrants um, from the countries that I'm actually from. You know, it's, it's always um, either books written by white people about, you know, Mexican migrants or other other countries that um you know central south america that kind of thing that i've read but nothing in english and nothing about that would represent that made me feel represented um i mean yes there are books about blind people that i've read but they're always you know white <laughs> well yes so yes and not so, good and not many have been good no or they're just like dead you know, yeah, um, just like, Karen okay, Slaughter. fine. Like, we don't ever get <laughs> ah, to know them. they are dead, yes. Yeah, we never get to know them. So this book is about Nesto Vasquez, and he is the man, he has his own food truck. You know, I love foodie books. I do That's too. My thing. There's like so, so much. much food in these books. Oh, and his food is Afro-Caribbean food truck. So like, he basically started this food truck, and he wants to make he's dominican like me and but his friends are from different countries they're his best friends that he grew up with they're from cuba from haiti and from puerto rico and dominican like him too and so he has all the flags and he wants to make he makes food from each country and like he does like his own twist on everything and you know he makes my favorite thing ever tostones which are you know green plantains that are cut and fried smashed and then fried again but just like everything that he does, he makes it um, with a twist. I mean, he even this book even talks about Dominican desserts that no one knows about that he incorporated uh, into his menu. And it was just so cool. So Nesto is um, moving his uh, Afro-Caribbean truck um, from New York City to upstate New York, which is like a really big gamble. Oh, for him because if it works he'll be a big fish in a little pond but if it fails he'll have to stop hustling and go back to his day job uh and the last thing he needs is distraction he wants to do that because that's where his family is his mom um he was raised by a single mom his mom and his sister and you know his friends moms not all of them live there but a couple of them do and the last thing he needs is a distraction by anybody 
And like I'm telling you, this book is like all the things because um, then we have Jude Fuller and he's, you know, not Dominican at all. <laughs> and um, but he's really happy with the life that he's built. Get, guess what job he has? It's I like know. the best job ever. He's a librarian. Oh, yes. I mean, I'm telling you, is there anything better than this book? And, you know, he's made his he's created his life to be safe, to be quiet. Uh, job he loves. Good. Um, good friends. And well, but except, you know, safe is not always great because sometimes safe is lonely. And then he tries Ithaca's new talked about lunch spot which is Nesto's food truck. And he flirts with the handsome owner. But, you know, soon he can't get enough of Nesto's food or Nesto. And somehow the happiness that he thought he would never have is right there. Right there. But an opportunity that's too good to pass up could mean a way to stay together, an incredible future for them both. But um, there's a lot of mutual trauma and trust and things that they need to overcome to perhaps be able to make their relationship work. So this is American Dreamer by Adriana Herrera. And I love this entire series. I know Shannon's favorite is the third book. Um, yes. American, American love, story. love Story. But this is my favorite because it's the foodie book. And it, it was just, I, as I say, so incredible to read a book in English that was that is takes place in America, that is about um, a Hispanic like me. And, you know, he's listening to the music I listen to, I grew up listening to, and eating the food I eat and I cook and I grew up eating. And I didn't know that that was something that was going to be cool to find in my books. And I didn't know that I cared until it actually happened. Um, so that was really, really great. So if you haven't picked up American Dreamers by Adriana Herrera, please, please, please do. They are all so, so wonderful. She's so awesome. She really, really this is. This whole series is on my TBR. Yeah, you, re- you really have yeah, to. Yeah, I think them. you'll like it. You will. They're very, very cool. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode featuring authors of color. Thank you to Melissa, Stacy, and Natalia for such great picks, um, especially those that are a little bit out of like my personal comfort zone. I think sometimes it's good to be challenged by these things. And so I do appreciate that, not just the different perspectives that authors of color can bring to to their work, but just sort of my sort of need to look beyond some of the things that I limit myself to. Anyway, I hope all of you are staying safe and well and doing your best to make the best of what's left of winter. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. 
So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.